Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me always on this podcast, I want to welcome back, and I'm going to start this time with Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. And as always, glad to be on another episode of Discussing Who. Awesome. And also, welcome back, Mr. Lee Shackelford. Howdy ho. How are you? I am good. Thanks to you. I will have to say, I... I had mapped out another version <laughs> of this episode and all these things that I was going to say, but you saved the positivity because I'm telling you, it would have been without you a completely different tone that I would be bringing to this episode tonight. <laughs> well, when I said I was, I said I was going to do some uh, calming meditation before we got on the air. So, so did you, did you do that? I did indeed. Yeah. Awesome. You're not not ready to walk away from it all, you know? Not ready to, uh, <laughs> but I will tell you this. There is a version of this episode that we produced somewhere out in infinity <laughs> that probably will never be heard, hopefully, ever. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, walked away. Maybe not walked away, but would have bestowed upon Chipnall the Zack Snyder of Doctor Who <laughs> fandom. But but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> In which we learned that the doctor's mother is named Martha. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> oh, Bryce. The master's mother was named Martha. And in that classic right. final confrontation between the doctor and the master, they look at each other and they shout, what? Martha? Martha. Oh, now we're friends again. Yay, let's be companions. Yeah. Hooray. All right. Discussing who has been brought to you by. No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> by our, our still seething hatred of Batman versus Superman. So, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> but, but I do have one thing in the news, and it was something that was shown, I think, I found out about it yesterday. And Clarence, I think you are the one that shared this with us earlier today. It looks like the rumor mill is going around about two companions maybe leaving Doctor Who. Is that correct? Yeah. So we we spoke of such already, especially in Ryan's case. Um, wow. Yeah. What's his, what's the actor's name? Tonson Cole. Tonson Cole. So yeah, we we talked about him leaving earlier with this new show that he has coming up. So we kind of figured that he might be going, but I'm kind of surprised by Graham leaving the show. Can we imagine a Yaz and uh, Jodie Whittaker, um, Mandip Gill and Jodie Whittaker, um, Doctor Who iteration? Well, and apparently nothing has been signed, sealed, and delivered because I saw an interview with uh, Mandip Gill just today in which an interviewer – and I don't know how old it was, of course. But they were saying, are you looking forward to being in Series 3? And she says, I hope I can be. Hmm. Interesting. It may be that as far as anybody knows, we're just going to hit reboot and <laughs> and say, well, but it, it is confirmed. Bradley Walsh and Tulson Cole are both uh, going their their ways to do other things. And, um, and you know, I think in Tulson's case, they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. He's got a, a series yeah. in the U.S. And in a lot, all the news that I saw about Bradley Walsh, the word quit kept being used. And the people who write headlines <laughs> – <laughs> we'll all, we'll always seek the word that you know is attention getting, but I don't know if he quit. Uh, hmm. But but there we are. 
You know, I, when you said that, that reminds me or put in my head, he opted not to renew his contract because right. he had fulfilled his obligation and he opted not to renew. Other words, he quit. Quit. Yeah. Yeah. So there must be some kind of, yeah, some kind of intrigue going on, but no, 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 no. Yeah. And uh, I will say, like, out of all the stories or with these three characters, I would say Yaz is probably the most incomplete at this point. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I agree. Well, yeah. And, and apparently they are going to be in the, um, what I presume is the Christmas special, the, the Dalek story coming up. So, um, yeah, yeah, the guys may get killed by Daleks. We don't know. Who knows? But I do have one more piece of interesting news or an interesting tidbit, I should say. I was following our Twitter conversations over the last week. We have a listener, and I hope we have many listeners, but we have <laughs> one listener in particularly who is coming to us from Ireland. And her Twitter handle or his Twitter handle is Alonze. I like, you know, the Alonzi. Alonzi? Uh, yes, Alonzo. So uh, a big Alonzi. shout out on Twitter to Alonzi Alonzo, which I'm just butchering <laughs> that Twitter name. <laughs> but I said in t- response that I would give a shout out on our next episode, a shout out to you. And thank you for being Thanks. our listener and at least one listener from Ireland. Yeah. Where apparently Gallifrey is. Where apparently Gallifrey is, yes, which is a question I have to pose to you guys later. But I think it would be appropriate for me to say at this point, if you have not seen The Timeless Children, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, we are back and we are here to review The Timeless Child. The spoiler warning is gone out and we're here to review the 10th episode of the 2020 series of Doctor Who. It aired on the 1st of March, 2020. The synopsis of this episode was, Gallifrey is dead. The Master is in control of an army of Cybermen ready to take over the universe, and Graham, Ryan, and Yaz are trapped, being hunted down with the last remnants of humanity. But for the Doctor, one question remains. Who is the Timeless Child? So Clarence, I'll start with you. Summary view. What did you think? Definitely a very intriguing backstory to the Doctor, (laughs) To which, you know, some people may have speculated that's where we're going, but I had no idea. Yeah, for a minute, I thought it may have been the master who was going to be the timeless child before we Mm -hmm. actually got the full explanation. So I thought, so, you know, a good bit of intrigue, a good, you know, way to fill in some gaps, maybe in some episodes in classic, as well as, you know, I think this was a fun episode, though, for the doctor. It was mostly exposition, which I loved all of that. So it was fine with me. And we did get to see the rest of the crew, the fam. Have a bit of fun um, playing dress up and whatnot. So I, I had fun with the episode. I thought it was it was great and a great finale for the season. All right, Lee, what do you think? Yeah, and once again, I just have to say I agree with Clarence because uh, I, I got to that closing title and said, "Wow, that was a lot of fun." And I did what I have what I always say I'm not going to do, and I did it anyway. I got on the web to see what other people were saying, and they were saying basically that I'm an idiot. So, uh, well, so, well, it's not the first time. 
<laughs> I have a thick skin. <laughs> I can take it. But yeah, I, I, I hope that we're going to talk about that some more because um, I don't think I am. But yeah, the, the hatred for this episode is uh, deep and intense. Yes. So how about you? What well, was your- I definitely have a part of our conversation tonight where we're going to address that. But for the summary view for me, you know, I I went into this with a lot of anxiety. I mean, major anxiety, more anxiety, I think, that I've had for any Doctor Who episode I've ever seen. I went away, thanks to you, Lee, with not necessarily being totally, oh, I'm so glad they did this, but more as I wasn't outraged by it. I did have fun (laughs) with the episode. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. There's nothing that I could really critique on the episode itself, but I'm still processing, you know, everything that we learn. But as a overall, did I enjoy the episode? I did enjoy the episode ultimately. So let me ask you guys a question. I just mentioned that I said that I went in with anxiety and uh, downright, honestly, uh, dread to some Mm. degree. Did you, either of you, go into with any expectations going into the episode? Did either of you have any type of expectations? No, I I was looking forward to it because I have confidence in the larger franchise, I guess. I just felt like it doesn't matter what the big surprise that we're headed for is – it's going to be it's going to be okay and maybe i'm being naive but i just trusted in it and i wasn't disappointed we got to the big reveal and i my attitude was sort of that's it <laughs> because i don't really well i i know we'll talk about it more later but i don't understand what people are foaming at the mouth about and i can almost hear them saying well maybe you're not a real who fan and i will bop them on the nose and say <laughs> I was a Doctor Who fan before you were born, young man. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, what, what about you, Clarence? What do you- <laughs> uh, I, I really had no expectation. I think being a new Whovian, this show, this episode was well suited for me, especially not having a huge familiarity with, <laughs> with the classic <laughs> Who. So, you know, for me, it all felt fresh, new, but I think maybe what is throwing people for a loop is that it kind of puts, in a way, it puts everybody, the new people who just come on with Jody Whitaker and the new Whovians, it kind of puts everybody on equal footing. And I'm sure we're going to get into it more, um, oh. but I- I'll leave it there for now because I don't want to yeah. dive too deep before we actually talk about oh. But I want you, if you would, Clarence, to remember the equal footing because I find that very interesting and it is not something that I had put in my notes, but in the section where we're talking about the revelation of this timeless child, if you would please bring that back up because I would like to discuss that in yeah. much more because I think it is a very interesting angle. Uh huh. That's a great phrase. Yeah. I really like that. Speaking of great phrases, I wrote down a phrase uh, or something that someone said As I was doing my research for this episode, I was watching my friend Jessica do her reaction to this. And (laughs) and at the reveal moment, she said, oh, Lord, people are going to lose their minds. And and that's funny because I thought of her saying that, Lee, when you said you were going on social Mm. media and reading everything and people were losing their minds. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of 
losing yeah. their minds. People have <laughs> rated this episode, and according to IMDb, it scored mm-hmm. a 6.1 out of 10. Yeah. Not too bad. Too Rotten bad. Tomatoes, mm-hmm. 80% from the tomato. Tomato meter or thermometer yes. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 80 is pretty good on the tomatometer. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. 6.83 out of 10 as their average score. Mm-hmm. The viewer numbers were about 4 million. Ah, so it's up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's good. So across the board, it seems like the average people were okay, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're not coming back for next season because <laughs> the show is hopelessly broken. And uh, yeah, indeed, your timeless childhood. <laughs> My timeless childhood is not so timeless, huh? No. <laughs> hey, time's up. <laughs> All right. So here's kind of the way I want to break down this episode. Instead of going through the traditional, let's go through the entire story point by point. Mm-hmm. I would actually like to instead take our conversation around three to four major points. And point number one, I just want to talk about the companion story. Then I want to talk specifically about the cyber masters and the lone cyberman with the master, then go into the timeless child and finish up before we do our closing. And our favorite quotes would be the impact of the revealed. And I think that'll be the juiciest part of the conversation. So I wrote down some interesting things that I thought were really, really good. And in regards to the companions, first up being the best person I've ever met. Would either of you like to comment on the the conversation that centered around the best person I ever met? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really a sweet moment. Um, I, I guess I wonder if these things are as transparent to other people as they are to me, just because I, I write things like this. But it really seemed like we hadn't had enough time with the companions, so we needed some. And so they wrote that scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it feels glued on. And um, and it's too bad because I love what Graham says. And and it gets to a real truth about about human relationships is that when you give somebody that kind of praise – whether you acknowledge it or not, you're kind of hoping that you're going to get it back. And he just <laughs> flat out says, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. Uh, maybe a little disappointing, but you also think, well, no, I guess that's, you know, that that's what any of us do. But she tells him, you know, hey, I'm from Yorkshire, mate. That's that's a love that's letter. That's a love letter, yeah. Yeah. And then she stands up and offers her hand to help him up, you know, which is more eloquent than anything else she could say. So it's a lovely scene, but it does feel tacked on. What, what did you think? Yeah, I was, I was a bit surprised that he was saying that he thought of Yaz to be the best person he's ever met. I mean, I like Yaz. Don't get me wrong. And she's right. very important to the group. But, you know, I think that's something he would have said about it would have felt more natural if he would have said it about the doctor. And it, a really nice thing to say to Ryan, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even so. I'll I'll go you one even better if he was referring to Grace as being the best person he ever met. That, to me, would have been much more in context. No offense, like you guys are saying to yes. Right. Yeah, but but it also feels like we're too – this this scene would usually be between two people who kind of like each other and they're about to die or they think they're about to die. And, oh, I love you. You know, they did the best what they could, they could with the scene. And it did very much in Lee's words, fill out a place. Mm. 
I love that he said he talks about how that he admires how absolutely fearless she is, and then later on they'll ask the question as they're standing at the boundary. Well, which of us is going to go first? And as he says it, she's already walking through. <laughs> and I love that. Just, yeah. Yep. There she That's is. Yes. That's yes. yes. And you know, if yes stays around, which, you know, honestly, I think I kind of wish and hope she does because I think that would be some good continuity. I would be even cool with them adding another companion as just one more new companion, mm-hmm. but still have that camaraderie between she and the doctor. I just think that would be a unique dynamic to see. Mm. Yeah, Cal, it's kind of funny because we did a few convention panels and we asked the question, if you could keep one companion and get rid of two, who would you yeah. keep? Mm-hmm. And I think I said yes from my answer, so mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yep. <laughs> yep. I remember that is exactly who you said. Mm-hmm. We Cheers did it on the show, too. I, I think we all kind of came up with yes, so if I remember right. I think I, I actually said Ryan. I think that well, was who I kept. At that point, maybe I was <laughs> I don't know, but anyway. But, but your, your larger question here, he gets to make the basketball shot of all time in this episode. And uh, yeah. since, since we kind of teased that along this season, that I thought that was a, a lovely way of concluding that. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice bookend to that. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bookend. So. But, but see, what's interesting, you guys felt that this other scene between Ryan and Yaz, and, and now that I've heard your take on it, I, I'm not Ryan and Yaz, Graham and Yaz, and now that I've heard your take on it, I see it and I agree with it. But just in watching the scene where Ryan is throwing the big cyber bomb ball and, <laughs> you know, and then does this, you know, celebratory and look at what I did. It felt to me like it was out of place a little bit because I was thinking, dang, he has thrown that uh, mighty good distance and it lands, you know, perfectly and all that. It just kind of felt, using your words, Lee, inserted a little bit. Yeah. Hey, he's saving the human race, man. Come on. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. got to give him credit. You have to assume there's been a lot of uh, off-screen practicing there. <laughs> Indeed. One thing I did find cool, and I'm curious to what you guys thought, was about the brilliant idea that Graham had of let's get inside the suits. Oh yeah. That's classic star Wars. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. They pulled that directly from a new hope. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that was pretty freaking fantastic. I love that. <laughs> well, I'm glad because I completely hate that. And it is just the, thing, the thing in this episode Possibly that I hate the most. <laughs> really? And Come it's on, funny. Man. I saw all this vituperation on the web about people not liking the reveal of, you know, the doctor's origins and, and, you know, which, which may still be a lie anyway, for all we know. But this thing about putting on the armor of the Cybermen, and we've seen this before. And I, we have, maybe it's a running joke in Doctor Who because I had to go look this up. The first time we get this, this silliness is in 1963. Mm. <laughs> it's the third episode of the Daleks when they need to, you know, do some moving around behind the scenes uh, in the Dalek city. So they capture a Dalek, Ian and the doctor do, and they open it up. They pull the Dalek out and kind of throw him on the ground. <laughs> and, and then Ian gets inside because Daleks are apparently hollow. Oh, wow. Hmm. And 
and, and we'll see that kind of thing of people getting inside uh, the Dalek, uh, you know, armor time and time again. And, and maybe it's just because I have kind of an engineer's mind, but I always kind of see these things as schematic and I want to go, well, why is there so much empty space in there? <laughs> yeah. What possibly could be the point of that? Now, Cybermen have bits and pieces of human beings, you know, and humanoid in them, but they're not, it's not a suit that a dead body is wearing. It's, We've seen them scoop the brains out of people and stick them into Cybermen, right? Cy- Cybermen are their machines. Like, like their legs may not be – there's a motor in there that drives these things. It's not a suit. It's not a costume. They're not chocolate Easter bunnies. They're, they can't be <laughs> hollow on the inside. I think you are talking about different versions of the Cybermen. Yeah, I- I thought it was a well, suit, so that possibly. might be why it worked for, it worked for me. Well, because <laughs> duck jaws are not required. <laughs> now I am talking in this, and I cannot stop. Oh, God, no. Okay. Yes. Okay. Back to normal. They're not chocolate Easter bunnies. I'm just going to keep saying <laughs> that part and then put the pieces on and fool the lone Cyberman. Yeah, now <laughs> that was Thanks. that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two inches from their face, right? And he with the Siberium inside of him, he can't tell. Yeah, why didn't the Siberium know? Well, and this is always my thing when they're when in the shows when they're pretending to be Daleks. I'm thinking, so Daleks don't recognize each other. They're not communicating, you know, electronically. They they don't have a walkie-talkie in there. They don't. You are not broadcasting. Mind. You're not broadcasting. Basically, yeah. I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's a meme of all adventure fiction, you know, that you can knock somebody out and, the, and, and then steal this guy's uh, uniform and he will, and his clothes will magically fit you <laughs> no matter. Um, and that, that is such a, a, a long and weary meme that I remember people laughing out loud in the theater in a Raiders of the Lost Ark when we played with that. Uh, Indiana Jones, you know, he bops a Nazi at the submarine pen and steals his uniform, and it's way too small for him. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get another one, you know. It's like, yeah, we've always wanted to see that happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Clarence and I represent opposite ends of the... <laughs> Speaking of representing something, I'm curious to how you guys represent your final goodbye that the doctor seemingly had. And I know we're jumping to the end of the story, but since I'm talking about the companions, what did you guys think of this sending the companions back to the 21st century and the doctor's goodbye? And Clarence, why don't you take that one first? What did you think of this goodbye between the doctor and the companions? Or the fan. Uh, I don't know if I thought into it too much. It was kind of a desperation, something she had to do. I mean, you can tell she really didn't want to do it, but uh, she wanted to keep him safe ultimately. So it's kind of what she had to do. And I really didn't buy too much into it. Now, the the issue is they don't know if she's going to make it out of this alive. So, you know, that's that's definitely deep for them. And even Yaz tries to grab the doctor as she walks away. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot for them to cope with, but hopefully pretty soon here, we'll see the doctor pop back in their world and let her know, let them know everything is all right. And, you know, before Lee makes his comment and before I want to say this before I forget it, you may have just hit on, on a way out or how these two companions leave. If they go back 
thinking the doctor sacrificed herself because that's what they ultimately thought was going to happen. If the doctor shows up six months, a year in their timeline later, and here they are resuming their lives and who knows what's happened in that amount of time, they may be choosing not to go based on their resumed life situations. Well, we know Graham has his girlfriend with him, so <laughs> well, there you go. he may have been settled down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, what about it's you? One of my questions about the episode actually was, I guess Ravio and Yedlarmi, who are from the other end of human history, are just going to be fine in 21st century Britain. <laughs> they'll they'll adjust somehow. <laughs> get a job, you know. Yeah, get a job, right? <laughs> that, would, that would be like leaving one of us in ancient Egypt and saying, eh, I'll be fine. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway. See, if you would have still had unit, you could have said, contact Kate Stewart at unit and tell her the doctor sent you. Blam. That's right. So what did you think of the goodbye? Well, I, I guess I saw this as sort of the whole big picture about the doctor's apparent willingness to sacrifice herself. And I, this was maybe my favorite part of the episode. And it's, it's part of that magic of the drama because I bought into it and I was willing to believe that it was possible that the doctor was going to blow herself up, which of course is ridiculous. You're, this is not the end of the series, right? But, yeah. but I, I, re I really felt it. And so these, these, you know, we kept cutting back to this close up of her thumb on the button and the master pleading with her to do it. Yeah. I, I bought it and I, I, I just found that really gripping. I don't know. I may be the only one. Well, I found it, I found it, you know, well written as in regards to everyone said what they needed to say. But my issue that I have with it is, I've been with these characters now for two series. And if I'm assuming that this is the goodbye between the doctor and that companion or that set of companions, knowing how I've been with previous companions saying goodbye and not having a problem saying I will cry over the, uh, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat, I mm. didn't have any emotion in that. And I don't blame the actors. I actually say, and I don't want to say blame Chibnall. I will say that these, it seems like I can't connect emotionally with his stories for some mm. reason. Mm. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying right. it's just a thing. Yeah. You know, it's just a thing. I don't like that, whatever that thing is, but mm -hmm. you know, I want to have that. Oh, oh, the doctor is saying goodbye to the, you know, oh, so sad, but I can't connect. And I don't know why. Well, I think it was, um, was it Samuel Taylor Coleridge who, who coined the term willing suspension of disbelief? And, and I, I always think that the key word in there is willing that you, it, we won't be able to buy anything in a drama unless we're willing to go along with it. And sometimes I'm willing to buy something ridiculous in one of these stories. And sometimes I'm just not. And, uh, so for, and you know, it, it depends very much on the, the mood in the audience. And I, and watching this by myself, I, I guess I decided at this point that I really wanted to feel whatever the show, uh, was, was leading me to feel at that point. So I, I really got invested in it, but yeah, it, I think that's fair. Not everybody would, mm. you know, it, it would be real easy to go, 
well, she's not going to kill herself. I mean, that would be the end of the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's just. Yeah. But, but, but see, I think the, the concerning part of that is when you have someone who is hungry for that, I want to connect moment who is look and maybe, and maybe the problem becomes they're looking too hard for that moment. Does that. Oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I'll say what I said last week. I feel bad for not connecting, <laughs> but I just didn't to, to quote a, or to paraphrase a very brilliant writer. I <laughs> was not re- able to remain connected with that. Seer, I mean, that scene, but anyway. how lovely. I was about to say to paraphrase one of our favorite writers, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Oh, <laughs> even better. Or just as equally as bad, good, I should say. Yeah. And, and I'll just say like, maybe it wasn't even meant to connect with us all that well. Cause for me, I felt like the doctor was preoccupied with what she had just learned from her past. And. Of course, I don't feel like this doctor is the most emotionally connected doctor that we've had. Uh, but I do feel like she was very much preoccupied with what was going on, going on on her home planet there and also the big revelation that she just had of herself. So maybe that was the reason she kind of felt a bit callous in her response to, to uh, sending them away. Good point. Actually, very good point. Do you guys have any other comments regarding the companions before we move on to the master and the Cybermen? Hmm. No, I guess not. For Not for me. All right, Mr. Brown. Don't think I do. All right. So let's talk briefly about the Cybermasters, the lone Cybermen and the master. So let's start with the master. Y- your take on this version of the master what do you guys think <laughs> silence has fallen again I, <laughs> well I, i'm the one who's always complaining that i don't like um the master in new who because he's insane and that i much prefer the the classic who doctor uh, particularly roger Elgato's, because he he was he was uh he knew exactly what he was doing that he's he's calculating and that you know, that he's every bit the doctor's equal and just has sort of a different worldview, just a different idea about how things ought to be. And I feel like this master has that plus a sort of, um, uh, a, an almost sexual ecstatic delight in what he's doing when he's winning and tremendous frustration when he's not. And it's, so it's over the top and it allows this actor to really uh, have a great time with the language, but he's not nuts. He knows what he's doing. And I, I think that's, that's fascinating. I love the way it's written and I especially love the performance of it. Uh, he's just, he's, he gets to have a great time. And, and actually it's something that at one point in this episode, I kind of stepped out of it thinking, well, this episode is all for the master, isn't it? I mean, not only does, is Jody not getting any lines here, but we've actually put her in a box so she can't move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just decided it's the master show. The master anyway. show. I, I, I bet it's it would get masterful like- ratings. Yeah. <laughs> mm, all right. What about you, Clarence? What do you think of this, seeing this version of the master in action? You know what? I think back to um, Michelle Gomez and um, 
who's who's before him. I can't remember his name. Um, John Sims. But yeah, John Sims. Um, but I think what the difference is with this current iteration of the master is that I feel the emotion that he's trying to portray. I feel the pain, even though it's a very a pain coming from a very weird place. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not the he, I'm from the doctor. Oh, I'm descended from you know. So I do love the emotional presence that that this doctor has each and every time uh, he's on screen. So I'm always feeling that. I believe when he says something to me, I believe he feels that in his heart, <laughs> yes. even though even, even if mm-hmm. he is wrong. So he again, I think I said this earlier, he's, he's very calculated. Uh, he does have zany bits, but he's not a zany master, if that makes any sense. I, I think of the one scene where he actually receives a Siberium and he kind of just like a woohoo and jumps around a little bit, <laughs> which is a very great scene, by the way. And, <laughs> but, but that, and he says, at least buy me dinner first. Ooh, yeah, yes. <laughs> he does. He does. So, you know, that being said, he's, I still feel like he's a very um, emotionally distraught master and i love the pain that he's trying to uh is is you know lean uh, lean into and actually uh display to the doctor because you know he's really feeling it and i i love every minute of seeing that on screen so i I love this master man it's one of my favorites actually yeah i'm going to follow up and agree with every single pause breath word (laughs) period whatever that the two of you just said and totality, I will agree with you. And this is a testament of someone being a brilliant actor because within just two, well, three episodes, three slash four, but less than two hours of airtime, we have said this is one of our favorite incarnations of the master. And he's pulled that off with very minimal scenes, but every scene that he has been in, his presence, his delivery, his appearance, everything is just like 10 out of 10. I mean, hands down, praises to him. Awesome job, because I agree. I would easily put him up there with Delgado and Michelle Gomez as three, two of, or one of the three favorite versions of the master for me. So kudos. Wait, kudos. did you just... Did you just say praise the master? I think that's what came out of your mouth. I think that's I did. What you praise said. the master. Yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, so, oh, wait. Did I, did I forget uh, the actor and called him the master? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Whose side are you on? Uh, well, so what, what prison is that they assassinate? That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the uh, episode of the classic series called The Deadly Assassin. Yeah. Oh. And, um, the, he was uh, there to assassin the president. Yes, he was. And, um, yeah, and it's a, an interesting uh, story and in that we get a master who is between regenerations. And so he is this, uh, this horrible cadaver, this, uh, kind of, uh, I don't know. He looks like, well, how would you describe the Peter Pratt master? He, um, <laughs> he, he's, he's a walking dead. Burn to a crisp. Basically. He's been burned to a crisp. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the, and, and with a big hood on it because except, we haven't recast the, the master yet. Right. So. But yeah, it's a fun story, and it's the Doctor traveling without a companion. It follows right after Hand of Fear when he tells Sarah Jane, you know, can't take a human to Gallifrey. So there he is. So let's talk about, for a moment, the lone Cyberman. 
And mm. here's, here's to me the biggest kind of issue or one of the issues that I had. And we've seen this happen before, maybe not in Doctor Who, maybe in Doctor Who, but where your bad guy that you think's the bad guy winds up being inconsequential toward the end. And Mm -hmm. I think he did being the lone Cyberman turned into being a little, he was reduced to nothing in, (laughs) in this episode, literally. It's a 10 soldier. Yes. So what, what was your thoughts about this lone Cyberman and his being shrunk down to size, so to speak? Mm. I mean, conversion shaming aside, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't all that impressive at all. Um, when I think about his ultimate plan that the master actually dissects and says is a very bad plan to become robots. I really didn't buy the master's argument to him, though, because aren't they, for all intents and purposes, already robots? They don't have any individuality at all. So why does his argument stick? I don't know. (laughs) Well, they're they're cyborgs and, and apparently they need human brains to do sort of the autonomic function things. But I've never quite understood the whole logic behind that either. And, and, and it, it calls up kind of the other psychological thing that if, if he, who is almost half human, doesn't want to be that, that he, 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 he then he kind of hates himself. And that's, uh, that's been part of our story about the Daleks for a long time. So uh, it's like, well, aren't we, are, are we crossing our streams here? Mm. This, this is just sort of making him a Dalek. I don't, Mm, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's another part of the story that I found unsatisfying. It's like, so this is the big payoff about the long Cyberman. Uh, yeah. Did Jack know something about the master? If, if we can reach back that far, mm-hmm. because he said, don't give the long Cyberman what he wants, you know, no matter what the cost. Well, and then the master ends up with it, but. Yeah, well, maybe the cost is that the master is now sort of invincible, which I guess we could talk about that. Even though all yeah. organic life is supposedly be destroyed, I feel like the fact that he has the Siberium inside of him is going to save him. So mm. maybe that's the ultimate rub that Jack was talking about. Oh, uh, well, yeah. And if you go back and you listen and you and thanks to closed captioning that I use right in that moment when the button is mashed, you hear the master say, everyone this way quick or something to that effect. Hmm. Really? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. It's right at that explosion, you know, moment. So I always use uh, the captioning as well. So to look for that. What did you guys think? And I, while you guys are talking about what my next question is going to be, <laughs> I will look up the answer to that, that. Uh, yeah. question. What do you guys think of the cyber time lord? <laughs> I liked how they looked. I, I, I really <laughs> liked the design of them. You know, I just thought that was that was kind of cool. It's yeah. pointless. Why? Where's the factory that made that? I, you know, yeah. whatever. But I just thought it was kind of cool looking. But yeah, yeah. And an interesting idea. You know, anytime you make a an army that's effectively invincible, you know, true, true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the part I didn't understand with these cyber masters or whatever they called them. So if a normal time lord can only regenerate 12 times, can you just kill these 
few that he had that the master had crowded crowded around him twelve times and they'd be gone forever. Yeah. So but, are they invincible? Well, it still makes it twelve times harder than it used to. <laughs> True. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> he's made them into cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you say he would make them into cats? Yeah. yeah. Well, th- th- then they'd have nine lives. Oh, oh yeah. okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get that one. <laughs> I'm writing myself a note about uh, turning people into cats. Okay. <laughs> uh, one thing uh, that was interesting that I found, the name that he used, he called him Sibes at one moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. I read somewhere, and I don't know what article I read it on or where I read it, but there was an article I read one time that was basically going through what would have happened had that TV movie from 96 taken off, off and it would have been a Fox TV slash BBC production. And the one of the episode synopsis was they were going to bring the Cybermen back, but they were going to call them Cybes. Interesting. So I was wondering if that was kind of like an in-joke to that particular piece of Doctor Who history. It would be. So any other thoughts of the Master and the Cybermen and the whole everything that was going on with this Cyberbarium or whatever? Any any more thoughts about that? Not for me. No, I'll just, just add that I, well, I guess this isn't directly dealing between these two people, but I do like how the master in this episode was playing narrator. I enjoyed him being kind of shuffling the story along or pushing the story along. I thought I thought he did a good job with it, so I mm-hmm. don't know. All right. Now, that comment that I said uh, of, of the touching of the button and the master saying something, right as the button is mashed, the master says, all of you through here now. Hmm. And according to the version that I downloaded from Apple, it is minus three minutes and 11 seconds before, you know, the end of the episode. So that's where I paused it at. And and it's the closed captioning, excuse me, the closed captioning says, master, all of you through here now. Interesting. So, of course, as we know, the master always has to survive. Well, of course. So, guys, let's get into the timeless child. And I'll start by saying that we are introduced to this character called Tecteum. And Mm -hmm. it says that she is a member of the indigenous, excuse me, indigenous species known to Gallifrey, the Shabogan. She finds this child. So let's talk for a minute before we get into all the revelations. You find this child just standing out in front of a monument. Mm -hmm. Both of you have children. I don't. So if you found a child, and I'm not saying just because I don't have a kid, I wouldn't have these feelings, but I know you both have kids. That's why I'm asking this question. So if you just find a child out standing alone, would you, what would you do? I mean, I, I, I guess where I'm going with my question is you basically just took this child. Well, you didn't question it when we saw Brendan do it last episode, did you? Mm, maybe because I didn't <laughs> believe the Brendan story. <laughs> well, 
But there was a moment where it was established that Brendan's prospective parents were having to apply. You know, I mean, they have a moment where they open a letter and say, you know, he's ours. Yeah. You know, so, but I think the master is sort of moving the story along. We didn't, we don't need to figure out what, uh, um, what, what hoops, uh, Tech Tam had to jump through to, <laughs> to adopt this child. And she's traveling alone. I mean, it's, I don't know. If there's nothing else on this planet, but there's this <laughs> child, I, you know, it's like, well, I, Nothing but this Stargate and this kid. You can take right. the kid, right? I guess I'll, yeah. <laughs> what do I, what do I, I, I call the police? What am I supposed to do here? I, yeah. So here's And there why. is the assumption that this child has come through this gate too, which I think it may be something we'll have to deal with in the future too. Yeah. yeah. See, and that's yeah. where I was going is okay. you, you took this child with no forethought maybe of mm. what happens when whoever left the child there comes back for the child right yeah that that really intrigues me um not so much in the sense of this you know these people coming back to get this child after all this time but the fact that there's another dimension to be explored and all the possibilities that could you know lend to the show so i got excited about that a little bit to know there's Mm -hmm. another dimension out there that that the doctor could frolic around in. So I don't know. I like that. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to Tectaeum and the child falling off of this hilltop or this mountain. Mm-hmm. She falls, she regenerates. And then mm-hmm. the story goes on to narrate to say that she performs all of these tests and we see these Timeless, and I'm assuming this is where the concept timeless children comes in. You see these different versions of this child, male versions, female versions, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, until she stops doing her different test or whatever. My question is, did she kill this child over and over just to make it regenerate? <laughs> I did not even think about that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be dark, no, but no, that that how, how else? Yeah, how else does that make sense? The child is endlessly regenerating, uh, or because the other explanation is that Tectaeum lives to be six thousand years old, yeah. and is <laughs> and in that case, why know. do you need the regeneration? Exactly. Right. Yeah, so t- she must have a tremendously long lifespan. Yeah, I think she's putting something in these kids' uh, oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> no. How else? I'm sorry. I, I know that's no, dark, you're right. but how else? <laughs> you're right. Because I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm looking at all of these different kids playing this part, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that's how they did the timeless wait. Yeah. That means she had to – oh, that's wrong. Why are they – why did they keep dying? Yeah. Because she's the worst mother in the world. <laughs> Timeless mother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she sees, oh, well, this is what, you know, this is, this is the truth and this is how I can do it. Would you guys not agree that this is another trope of science fiction? Well, I don't know if this is going to work. Let me try it on myself. Science fiction and science fact too, that there have been a lot of people over the year, you know, over the 
centuries who have tested stuff like that on themselves. It's yeah. I, it, that's not an impulse I've ever had, I have to say, but I, <laughs> um, who was it? Was it, was it Arthur Conan Doyle or was it his, uh, his famous teacher, Dr. Bell? But I, I remember one of the other of them, they were interested in poisons. I bet it, I think it was Doyle when he was a medical student. And, uh, he, he kept taking higher and higher doses of something that was bound to kill him wow. until he, you know, uh, they had, you know, doctors had to revive him and he said, okay, that, that's, that's the highest dose of that you can take. <laughs> so, well, now I know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, but, I, but yeah, there are lots of other stories of, uh, of a real scientist testing things like that on themselves. But so what did you, you know, she, she wanted to live forever too, right? I mean, you know, well, that's she's true. Take, yeah, I mean, she's going to take a chance with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you guys think about, other than my morbid comment there about killing the children, any other right. thoughts of the mother doing this, keeping the child, and then unlocking this code? So she obviously is quite smart. Yeah. Yeah, so I think my comment is less about her figuring this out, which, you know, it's cool that she figured it out. Uh But I... Maybe what I got from that scene, it's seeing all these different iterations, these races, male, female iterations, short, tall, dark, light, mm-hmm. and how in this short clip, they're basically saying anybody can meet the doctor. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. It reminds me of this moment in, if you've seen The Last Jedi, where you have this broom boy who has his Jedi-like powers at the end of the movie, and that's kind of the... the um, path they were taking by saying anybody can be a Jedi. So no longer do we have the, of course we changed that with Jody, but no longer do we have the, the concept that it just has to be a Caucasian male that can be the doctor. And, you know, we got Jody, we got the uh, Joe Martin doctor, Mm -hmm. and now we have different shades, different heights, different everything. And they just really went through it to kind of, you know, really make that point that now everybody can be the doctor. And I think that's kind of the point that I got from the scene. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the things that, that had me, uh, with, with such a big smile on my face that I wasn't giving any thought to the fact that she's murdering this child over and over again. <laughs> I didn't think about it either. I really did. I, I really did not. I just, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, you know, to, and to I'm prove not sure Chris Chimel has thought about it either. So, well, well, to prove that I'm not all dark in my thoughts, I did also think about what you guys just mentioned about all the different shades, the doctor, because my thought was now you've taken away and I'm going to use the word taboo, but it's not really that's not the word I'm looking for. But the, all the controversy, maybe stick. That, the stigma of, oh, well, you can't have a woman of color. Uh, yep, you've had that. Oh, you couldn't have a man of color. Oh, yep, you've had that. And not only what? that, you've had of several different colors, you know, of different shades. Yep, like you I saw it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's canon. You know, it, we've right. seen it on air. So you can't say, well, Idris Elba can't be the doctor. Yes, he can. <laughs> yes, he can. Yes, he can. Can he be James Bond, though? Yeah. Maybe he could be both. (laughs) Subject. Okay. (laughs) But, but yeah, that, that was really cool. And it was interesting that when the mother took 
the uh, serum or whatever you want to call it when she did the experiment on herself, she did something that we've never seen other than the child do in the regenerations that we've seen. We've never seen a woman to man regeneration. We've seen a man to woman between the 12th doctor and the 13th, but we've never seen, and we've also seen the general, I, I take that regenerated in front of the doctor, but we've never seen a woman to a man regeneration. And we have seen that now. Yeah. And I thought they found it interesting. You know, we talked forever about the 12 generations and they talked about how these silly city citadel dwellers, you know, not to make them too godly. We're going to limit it to 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <Right>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's not explained how they did that, but yeah, <laughs> let's just move on. So, Lee, I'm going to point this question to you, and you guys segued perfectly into this question, which is, this seems to me to align the Time Lords a little more into the way they were presented in Classic Who as the you know, snobby, we're better than you. Not saying that we've not gotten that in New Who, but just specifically mm-hmm. the we're we're so much better than everybody else, uh, Time mm-hmm. Lord presentation. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean it's it's part of what what is uh moving or important or convincing to us about the master's story is that it has a ring of truth about it. So that when we get to this point about where we we sort of get into the continuity we know, we go yeah, that's what they do. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> so, yeah. So what did you guys think of the montage that we see the brief rise of Gallifrey, where we see the dome and the citadel being built? What did you guys think of that? I, I really enjoyed that. It, it reminded me, of course, of um, sequences like that in the um, the 1960s uh, film, The Time Machine, which is one of my favorite things in the whole world. And, uh, there, there are several sequences like that. So, so I enjoyed that. It, it, it's, it's just some eye candy to, to keep this story moving because otherwise this, a lot of this episode is just this one guy talking. So we really needed something there. Yep. It does point back to this thing that is talk about memes of science fiction is to go to one place on a planet and keep referring to it as the planet. And, <laughs> and I know, you know, as much as I love original Star Trek, uh, they were doing that constantly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, say, well, I guess the planet's back on track now. No, those eight <laughs> people you talk to are back on track. That's anyway, you know, yeah. <laughs> just just pretend like it affects the whole planet. Let's just move on. Yeah, they they, they kept showing the Citadel. Of the Time Lords and saying, the planet Gallifrey. <laughs> well, I think there's probably some other things on the planet, but, yeah, you know, move on. <laughs> so here's something before we get into the impact and uh, we talk about the Matrix revelation. One thing I was not sure of is the co-Shamus gentleman that came in at the end and pressed the button. Was he human or was he Time Lord? Human, I would think. I was confused about that too. He, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but he said something like about having been there before. Well, he Did says he? something about mm-hmm. he's, you know, we sent this back and, but we didn't send it back far enough, but uh. that could have been the humans that sent, sent the Siberian back. But the way he came in at that moment and kind of 
command the doctor to go do this and go do that. I just found that interesting. Yeah. Now, for me, that's the part of the episode I thought was cheesy. <laughs> oh. You know, not going to let the doctor die. He's going to run in there and save her. You know, yeah. she's going to leave. I, good I, thing, too. Yeah, good thing, too. But mm, I didn't like it. <laughs> well, now, there was someone that I read on Facebook, and I'm apologizing in advance for not writing it down at the moment I read it, and I'm about to quote it. So whoever it was that said this, and if you are listening to it, or this episode, send me feedback, message me, let me know so I can give you credit for what I'm about to say on a future episode. That said, I saw a speculation where someone was hypothesizing that this was actually the final version of the Doctor or the Timeless Child. And mm. this the talk about penance, and this is how that version of the you know this is the end of the doctor's story. That yeah. would kind of be interesting. I, I think I confess that 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 thought floated through my mind too. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, but the, the truth is, we know that where the doctor ends up is wearing one of his own faces and yes. curating the art collection at the end. And we do know the, without a doubt that that is the doctor. Trust me, that's the doctor. I've read the book. Uh, <laughs> Here's the line. Uh, Kosharma says, you didn't start this. I did. I was part of a resistance unit that sent the Siberian back through time and space. So that's interesting. Although, obviously, we didn't send it back far enough. So this is my penance. Mine to finish. My journey ends here. But the universe still needs you. So I suggest you run. There it is. See, to me, that's inconclusive. I could say that's a human saying it, but I could also put it in the mindset of, the, the doctor still, I mean, the universe still needs you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. That sounds like the doctor talking to him, themselves. I've sent the resistance unit, I sent the Siberian back through time and space. Yeah. I, I can't do that. So I don't, <laughs> perhaps whatever unit that, and not unit particular unit as right. in, you know, unit on earth, but maybe the, division that the, the doctor division. worked for this is mm -hmm. where this time lord or version worked for interesting that kind of leads us into my final segment which is the reveal i want to talk about the impact of this reveal so let me ask you guys a general question here does this change the fundamental fabric and i know i kind of asked this last week but now that we've got the reveal does this change the fundamental fab fabric of what it means to be or to say Doctor Who. Hmm. So for me, ultimately, I don't feel like it's that big of a challenge for the Doctor, other than, you know, she has this bit of history that she doesn't know about. And it makes me think about, you know, maybe kids who were adopted or something to that effect, and they seek out their origins, which I think she will do. And I think just knowing this makes the doctor more complete. And it's definitely a huge revelation for her and for the fans. But I don't think it changes her any way in a, in a negative light at all. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. I think the more radical thing to do would have been to make the timeless child a master and have the doctor deal with having come from the master, this bad dude. Hmm. So. So, you know, I, as far as the doctor, I don't think it changes her character in any way. She's seen a earlier iteration of herself. 
um, mm-hmm. in the Ruth Doctor, that's pretty awesome. I can see if she was a totally different person, but it kind of just reaffirms what we already already know about her. But of course, she has to seek out her past and um, try to understand or decipher these visions and know more about who she is. And I'm, I'm down to watch that happen. Okay, Lee. Yeah, but once again, I have to say, Mr. Brown is right on it. I, I, I just, well, as I said at the top of the episode, we got to the big moment that people were scared of, and I said, that's it? <laughs> Be, because what's important for her as a character, I'll say them as a character, if the doctor didn't know anything about this, then it doesn't change who they consider themselves to be. I don't, so I don't understand. One of the things that I read on social media today, somebody venting about this, they saying, Oh, so now the doctor's a God. Yeah. The Mary Sue argument. <laughs> That's right. And I, and they were saying, I hate that. And I thought, wow, this was exactly why I got sick of, uh, Stephen Moffat and, and Matt Smith was because we kept scaring villains away by the doctor saying, Hey, I'm the doctor. And they <laughs> yeah. turn away and run. And it started in the 11th hour. And I said, well, if that's all you have to do, then the show's over, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so the, the, they're complaining about it now. I'm saying, man, we did this years ago. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this doesn't change that for me. Now, but uh, if I try to think about it from the doctor's point of view, I mean, imagine if any of us suddenly learned that a large, that a, maybe a giant part of our lives is something that we didn't know about. Yeah. You know, that, that would be, that would be shattering. Tell me, <laughs> was, was I a good person? <laughs> I want to know, do, are, are there still, you know, things that I'm responsible for that I didn't know I need to be doing? I, you know, I'd have a lot of questions about that, but does it break the show? Mm. I, but, <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like in a way that a person, say a person lost their memory um, mm-hmm. and, you know, fell off a truck or something, lost their memory. Right. I think that connecting to the people and seeing pictures and things from their past is not going to make them whole, but it will make them better in 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 a way. Um, I feel yeah. like that's kind of what the doctor gets with seeing Joe, uh, Joe Martin. What's it, Ruth Doctor? Ruth, yeah, um, Ruth Doctor. Yeah. So, and you know, she's getting pieces, and I think the story there is not done. Uh, we get this whole <laughs> redacted section of the, what is it called? Pan- In the Matrix. Yeah. 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 So, so I think, I think there's more to, to reveal there. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it, it did not change the fundamental fabric for me. I think, Clarence, I'm going to go back to a comment you made earlier that I said I wanted to hit upon when we got to the impact. I think you hit on something huge when you said, that it levels the playing ground between classic who whovians and new who whovians because i can and i'm not speaking for anyone else other than myself but that a little bit of knowledge that and i'm going to use you as an example clarence when i would come in and tell you about doctor who I always knew that I had a little bit more knowledge than you do, you did. And there was something that was kind of cool about that because no, no matter how much you watched it, it would take you a while to get caught up with how much I knew. You know what I'm Yeah. And, and now we're on equal playing ground because 
anything In a sense, could happen. Not totally. But but for the scope of the story, my knowledge that I could say, oh, I'm holding on to, doesn't have as big of an impact because there is a huge unknown that neither one of us know. And, and I think, and it's not just the future episodes that we'll see. It's, there's a future unknown about the past that we get to all discover together. And I think that's really, really cool. That's right. It means the answer to all Doctor Who trivia questions from now on is who the hell knows? It's, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, Precisely. <laughs> which doctor was it who said, <laughs> Uh, oh <laughs> I don't know. Here's here's the the thing I wanted to read you from uh, the Hugh Fullerton of the Radio Times wrote this, and this is the end of his long piece. That's a response to he's responding to the furor that social media in Britain had about this episode, and but and he ends by saying this. I thought he he speaks for me. He said, a regular process of change and rejuvenation, no matter how painful it can feel at the time, is the only reason Doctor Who survived its earliest days, delivered whatever your preferred era of the show was, and has kept it going for nearly 60 years. So nobody is trying to force someone to enjoy an episode they didn't enjoy or blindly salute a story choice they found unsatisfying. If you don't like Doctor Who's latest episode – that's fine. One day, another one will come along that you enjoy more. But to say these new revelations break, destroy, or ruin Doctor Who, I think we need to take a breath and get a little perspective. Interesting. All right. Let me add just a little bit of perspective to your perspective. Yeah. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, mm. Captain America, mm. Power right. Girl. All of these characters have had aspects of their origins updated over the years. (laughs) Yeah. Could it be for a program that is almost 60 years old? Is this the necessary evil, quote unquote, to allow the story room to continue to grow, to evolve, to regenerate, to change, to maintain so that it still has some freshness to it that we're not rehashing the same thing i think it does i think it absolutely does yeah yeah and i think what's different here is we're not going back to play around in that time frame we just got exposition flashbacks to what it was i'm I'm thinking of a few other top tier intellectual properties where we actually went back and played in that time frame and it always didn't work out so great so, I mean, I think what we got here, does it challenge you? Yes. Um, it introduces something new to fans that have been around forever and new fans as well. But I don't think it presents something so extreme to where we can't go on loving the franchise. <laughs> nope, it's ruined. I quit. <laughs> so before we get into our final uh, quotes, I mean, our quotes favorite and our scene favorite, and then our final rating, I want to ask the question, was Brendan another version of the doctor? I have an opinion, but I'm curious to know what you guys thought. So I thought they said that was a perception or some type of filter that they were putting over what really happened because okay, they... Good. That's they how I interpreted Because they showed the uh, connecting scenes with Brendan falling and the first Doctor falling in the first generation on Gallifrey. Right. So they kind of jumped back and forth. And they even kind of alluded to there's more about the Brendan scenes that we got that 
that we'll get more information about. Mm. And, and and Brendan is part of the division. Yeah. The division. Yeah. Dot, yeah. Dot, dot. Dot, dot. So <laughs> here here's my theory is that because of the way we've seen the chameleon arch work in the past, we know that you you end up with the same appearance. But what you have is um, that it changes your internal organic chemistry. You one heart, two hearts, and all that stuff. And I, I think that Brendan is a Time Lord who will uh, go back to work for the Time Lords, and um, and will grow old in the service. And when he is an old man, he will say, "Nuts to you! I've had enough of this." And steal a TARDIS. And go away. <laughs> mm, That's okay. what I think. I think Brendan's the first doctor. All right. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. <laughs> okay. But I, but I base that on nothing. Okay. Interesting. I will say that I think I was spot on with the um, with the um, the doors. The doors. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I'm yeah. still yeah. also thinking about what Lee just said. So that's why I was like distracted there for a minute. But yeah, I was spot <laughs> on with the doors. I I wonder. If he was recruited, or so, so let's assume for a moment that that was nothing more than a cover to make that history of the timeless child be unglamorous or unnoticeable or whatever. Mm-hmm. But let's say that that is what is played in his or her head over and over to kind of and help wipe out the memories. And maybe that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing. We've seen in episodes before, specifically in the Sixth Doctor's era, that the Doctor could fix the chameleon circuit if the Doctor wanted to, because Mm. the Sixth Doctor does fix it for a couple of episodes. That said, I'm wondering if subconsciously the Doctor has made it into a police box because of this thing that they put in their head (gasps) to that's the police thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Because one of the things I saw people jumping up and down about today was that, uh, that it makes no sense that Ruth Stardust looks like a police box on the outside. But uh, I don't know. To me, that just seemed like a script writing problem. I mean, at some point, no matter which doctor she is, at some point she ended up in the 1950s and, and hit it as a police box. And, and that's when the chameleon arch broke. I mean, the, the chameleon circuit broke. So, or if you take what I just said and it's subconscious, yeah, right? All of them are going to wind up being police boxes. That's right. Yeah. No, no matter <laughs> if they were in ancient Rome or whatever. Yeah. The, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. right. So I just, yeah, you and I both have ways of just sort of waving our hands and saying, look, this will fix it. So people are saying, no, this has broken the continuity forever and it cannot be fixed. (laughs) Yes, it can. Kyle and I just came up with two choices. Pick one. Yeah. (laughs) Take the one you like. Well, I'm going to say again, Lake Shackelford saved this episode for me with the inclusion of the brain of Morbius doctors that we saw. Totally, totally saved it for me. And mm. we got to see the fugitive Ruth doctor again. And I would love for her to be the new traveling quote unquote companion next series. That would be freaking awesome. Oh, the two doctors, the two doctors. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could, but, but it's not two and six. Yeah. No, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be 26 and 38 or who knows. Right. Yeah, you could, you could have like concurrent doctor shows running at the same time. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which would be nuts. Not supposed to happen, man. <laughs> no, but that would be so freaking cool. Because I, I, I do find it interesting that in the credits, they listed her as with special guest appearance by Joe Martin as the doctor. The doctor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, one last thing that I want to mention before we get into our favorite scene. The Jadoon show up at the very end, and they oh, imprison yeah. the doctor for life. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. Yeah. No. Okay. And we we got a a uh, uh, at least on paper a a replay of the end of uh, two Christmas specials. So uh, with by giving Jody lines that were originally spoken. Yeah. With what? Yeah. I want to know the name, and I and I I would love to know the name, and I would wish to know the name, and I would be so happy if the name was of this particular place that she is going to be held prison at, or as mm-hmm. you know, prisoner. It would be so cool if the name of that prison was called Storm Cage. And I don't see any reason why it isn't. Mm-hmm. So nice tie-in, yeah, yep. which we know can be escaped from. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we know that it's it is not. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I yep. wonder who might could help the doctor escape. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's a spoiler. Well, by this time, of course, she's regenerated into a man, so it's going to be okay. I don't care. Just as long as it's whenever I do, <laughs> I do want it to be River Song. But anyway, um, yeah, just oh, that would be so cool. But you know what? Like, what else is cool other than I'm rambling is yeah. Lee Shackford. <laughs> What's your favorite scene? I loved the master's final conversation with Ashad and the Siberium, just because I, I always, something that always bugs me about uh, the villains on this show is that they have opportunities to do what they say they're going to do and they don't do it, you know, which makes them sort of, um, you know, 1920s serial villains, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you my plan so you'll have a chance to escape. And Ashad says, uh, the Siberian will not leave me while I live. And the master says, Oh, oh okay. Pow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just thought, yeah. Thank you. That's what I always want to see the master do. <laughs> just pretend for a second, like he's disappointed and then just do it. <laughs> and is then disappointed over the fact that he doesn't make a cool line before he does it. That's right. He's, I should have said that. He's also disappointed that it didn't kill him. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, he's suicidal. So that that's kind of interesting. But yeah, what about y'all? Did you have favorite lines from their favorite scene? All right, Clarence, what say you? Yeah, actually, that was my favorite scene as well. But I'm going to lean more to the part when he when he actually joins with the Siberian was acting all <laughs> kooky for a second there. <laughs> all the cyber knowledge, all the Time Lord knowledge put together. What do you get? Absolute supremacy in the universe. Choose me. All right. So for me, my favorite scene would be the Matrix scene where the doctor is overriding or over whatevering the Matrix. And I read that this is the most extensively used of footage episode in all of Doctor Who history because it used more scenes from other episodes than any other episode. And have to. Yeah. And I pull down from the internet a list of all of the scenes that they showed. And I'm not going to sit here and somebody had to have done. Yeah. Yeah, And they did. And they, there, there are so many that it would take a good two to three minutes to read all of them. But wow. At all of the the show. 
We can yes. get a show notes. Put it in the show notes. And I absolutely, yeah. absolutely will. That said, that is my favorite scene also because we got to see the fugitive doctor and I absolutely, absolutely love her. So that's my favorite. What do you think about, this is the only other thing from the episode that I wanted to talk about besides my favorite line. What did you think about the music in that montage, collage, whatever you call it? The, oh, the, the Doctor Who theme. I thought that yeah. was awesome. And I think it's the only time that the theme has ever been used inside an episode like that. One, uh, one more. There, it's been used one other time. Oh, help me. The woman who fell to earth. It's the only other that that's that episode huh. did not have an opening montage. Oh, well, that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. Didn't have a yeah, didn't have a title sequence. You're right. No, but I mean, using the theme as scoring part of the the action of the episode. And I mean, when she when she begins her mental assault, it goes bum, 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 bum. I've just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I guess I've always wanted that to happen. And, and there are probably folks who will say that was, that was cheesy. You know, and that's like, she can hear her own theme song in her head, but I loved it. <laughs> All right, Clarence, what about you? Favorite quote? Yeah. And it goes back to the Ruth doctor talking to, to Jody's doctor. Um, have you ever been limited by who you were before? Mm. Such a profound statement. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Lee, what say you? This is why I was making a squirmy noises when you said, let's not do our favorite lines, because I, I, I really wanted to talk about this. <laughs> and, and this is just something that pleases only me, but it will probably tickle other people. We have seen time and again that the master is curiously fascinated by British TV programs for children. We, we've seen him in several episodes watching shows that are intended for toddlers. So that, and I was hoping that we would get to see that with this master at some point. And we kind of did in this episode. I, I'll explain. Um, mm. my favorite, um, uh, pop band for all of my teenage years, I, maybe it still is, you know, except from the, except for the Beatles is, uh, the Moody Blues. And, uh, they had a song in 1969 called Are You Sitting Comfortably? I remember speaking to one of my friends from, from the UK about that. And he said, well, you know what? That's a reference to, don't you? It that's, are you sitting comfortably is what they used to say on listen with mother. And that was the end of the conversation. And so then I <laughs> since had to go find out what is listen with mother. But because I didn't grow up in the UK, I didn't know this, but for 30 years, this was a, a show. It, if you were born anytime between 1950 in 1982, you knew Listen with Mother. It was a, a radio program on the BBC for little kids. Just the kind of thing the master would enjoy. And it was a very simple concept. There's a motherly lady who would read aloud to you. It's just a, a little, you know, reading you a little story every, every time. That's all. And every episode begins with the mother person saying, Welcome, children. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Ah, cool. And the master says once he's got the doctor paralyzed welcome doctor are you suffering comfortably then i'll begin oh that is cool <laughs> now there's another tv reference in there that he makes to the cyberman that he says something to the effect of i've done all the tasks i want to be like business partner or something and I, it's something in the way the british <laughs> version of apprentice goes down ah yeah okay 
But then again, uh, if you want to, uh, maybe he, if you want to put the toddler back into it, if you want to go to the American version, cause it had a toddler in it. So, <laughs> sorry. Resist. All right. So have I gotten everybody's favorite quote? So what's your favorite quote? Oh, me. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I don't, I don't know if I have one, honestly. I did. You don't have to have one. I actually did like, and I don't know the actual quote, but I did like what the doctor said to the master about, you think this made me less, but it actually mm-hmm. makes me so much more. Yeah. I, I did yeah. like that. So let's go for our final rating. So one, and you know what? I'm for this episode, not going to number it because I don't think numbering per se matters as much anymore as it used <laughs> to. So just for this one episode, we're going to do away with numbering. So you can choose whatever way you want to rate this that you possibly want to rate it. How would you rate this final episode of the series? Hmm. I'm suddenly thinking of um, the uh, the shirt that the doctor wore uh, as four or five and six. Well, seven when um, his, his actual uh, costume incorporated question marks mm-hmm. on the collar. I think I would give this one a big doctor who question mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And why would you give it a big doctor who question mark? Well, there's a lot about this episode that I just didn't care for that I just thought was, was uh, hackneyed and, and boring and kind of pointless. And there were other things about it that I simply adored and was thrilled by. It's just all over the place. It, it's kind of a mess. So if we were using our one to five scale, would I give it a 2.5? That seems harsh. Um, considering all the things about it that I really liked. Um, let, let me interject guess, something real quick. I'm going back to the question mark. You guys yeah. said last <laughs> week when you said numbers, follow your heart, follow your heart. <laughs> That's right. So question mark. Oh, okay. Then I'm giving it two question marks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm, I'm going to stick with the question mark and I'm going to add in an exclamation. Actually, I'm going to give it two question marks and two exclamations. There I'm going go. to give it two question marks because Question mark number one, I don't connect with Chibnall's writing, even though there are aspects of it that I do like. I will admit now that I do not connect with his style of storytelling. Question mark number two is I don't know where this is going to go, and I don't know the ramifications to fandom. That could be a positive, that could be a negative, but those are my two I don't knows. My two exclamation marks are the master's portrayal that I've already mentioned. And we got to see the fugitive doctor again, who I absolutely love. So two question marks, two exclamations. Clarence Brown, what say you? Mm, I will give this episode 4.5 tree tortoises. Yeah. Out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Two trees uh, and a shrub. I mean, four trees and a shrub. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I really had fun with this episode. Uh, even watching it the, the second time, I really thought it was really good, really engaging, really fun. It was like you mentioned earlier, Lee. It was very much a master-centric episode as well because he was kind of – Front and center, which I very much loved um, seeing him on screen. So, yeah, I, I loved all those aspects. We get the mystery 
for the doctor revealed, which I think is huge. Um, and the connections to the past, you know, I know Cal, you always live for these scenes where we get these flashbacks to connections, to previous doctors, but maybe in this case, we got a little too much connection <laughs> to, to past stuff that we didn't know about. But, but for me, I mean, I, I loved every aspect. If I could choose one thing that I wanted to be a lot better, it would be the companions in this episode. I think maybe last episode was more of theirs, uh, the Ascension of the Sovereign. And this one, they kind of had less to do. So, but, but all in all, 4.5 4. tree tortoises. So, yeah, love nice. it. <laughs> cool. So, so here's what I think we need to do going forward when we do our final rating. I think this would actually mm-hmm. be fun. Mm-hmm. I remember on Podshot, one thing that we used to do at the mm-hmm. beginning was we would come up with something, you know, live from within the matrix of Gallifrey. This is That's Doctor right. Who Podshot. So yeah. maybe what we start doing for this show at the end is find something within the story instead of doing five stars, we will give it <laughs> five yes. something from the stories. That's right. Uh, yeah. That'll be fun. Oh yeah, I'll give the story <laughs> Yeah, four tree tardises. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, That's guys, fun. this has been fun, and I have one final thing I need to ask you. And, Lee, I'll start with you. Where else might you be found on them there internets? Yeah. I, I don't get on the internet much. I don't uh... – uh, uh, even though the show is on a short hiatus, I'll point people towards relativitypodcast.com. How about that? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Clarence Brown, what say you? If you're into Star Trek and you want to hear some folks talk about it, hash it out. Check us out at discussingtrek.com. Awesome. And I would say if you want to follow any of the other podcast that we have not mentioned, which other than this one would be discussing comics. But if you want to find all of the stuff that we do in one place, go to discussingnetwork.com. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our review of the timeless child. Let us, or excuse me, the timeless children. So let us know. Even if you you think we're stupid. Yeah, exactly. Well, who knows? Maybe we are. (laughs) <laughs> we were just well, yeah. so so stupid yeah. about the doctors, but who knows? I don't know about question marks. <laughs> yeah, the question marks. But what we do know is, without a doubt, we will be back next time. This we know for the something something of the Daleks. Yes, <laughs> and the return of River Song. Dun dun dun. I have, I have a note here, somebody, uh, who, who does the transcriptions of the episodes and, uh, their last thing on the page for this, uh, this episode says, uh, the prison is set into an asteroid. So it's obviously not storm cage. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's actually, she made that note, but here's the quote. You think you've broken me. You'll have to try harder than that. You've given me a gift of myself. You think that could destroy me? You think that makes me lesser? It makes me more. I contain multitudes more than I ever thought or knew. You want me to be scared of it because you're scared of everything. But I am so much more than you. You're right. That's a great line. Yeah, see, that's why that's that's my favorite quote. Yeah. You're scared of everything. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to follow the logic of, of course, not knowing your past is going to break you down in a sense. But I'm trying to follow the master's logic on how – 
basically telling her that she's a super god. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Bring him. Yeah. Ooh, you win, master. Yeah. Okay. But that is an interesting way for him else? to hate her. Right. Yeah. I do. I do like that. That. Yeah. I've got a little part of you is inside me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That has to be disgusting to him. Really? For him? That. Yeah. 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 I get that. But, uh, yeah, it is. It, how is that supposed to shatter her? I don't understand yeah. either. So that's a whole <laughs> species logic. Like, found out your dad is Hitler, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that would be, yeah, but no. But yeah, you're a being, you're, you're an amazing being from another dimension and all of the other amazing people are descended from you. Sorry. <laughs> You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?